Hi, everyone. I'm Tara Lon. Welcome to Time Out with Tinseltown Mom. November is National Adoption Month, so I'm here today with a special guest. Sherry Leed is a lawyer-turned-life coach who, as a baby, was found in a cardboard box in a South Korean parking lot. Years later, Sherry adopted a daughter of her own from China who was found in similar circumstances. On this episode, we're going to talk about Sherry's adoption story, plus she's going to offer advice to families looking to adopt and families struggling in their own adoption journey. We're also going to talk about her new book, The 50-50 Friendship Flow, Life Lessons from and for My Girlfriends. Hi, Sherry. Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I'm excited to have you here. You have an incredible story, and I'm excited to have the audience and me hear your story. So thank you. Oh, yeah. You bet. (laughs) So first, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family dynamic? Sure. Well, I live um, in a town called Woodinville, Washington. It's about 30 minutes east of Seattle. And I reside here with my husband of 23 years. He and I met in law school. And about four years after we got married, we adopted our daughter, Alexis, from China, as you mentioned. And um, the kicker is two weeks after we came home from China, and this was a two-year process to adopt, we found out that uh, we were we were pregnant and my son was born eight months later. Wow. So we have, yeah, we have a family of um, two now adult kids. They somehow became adults when I wasn't looking and they're both in college right now. <laughs> so they're around the same age then, right? Yes. Yeah. They, um, we received an estimated birth date for our daughter. So we're not quite sure her age. Um, if we went by the date they gave us, the kids are about 14 months apart, but they were only a grade apart in school and always operated more like twins in a lot of their early developmental stages. Right, right. Okay. And as I mentioned in the opener, you were found in a cardboard box as a baby. Now, do you know anything about your birth mother and what led to you being dropped off in these circumstances? I don't. Um, so this was in 1970 when I was found. And, and that's kind of where my records begin from the time I was found. I was found with no identifying information, uh, including no family name or no birth date. So um, and this is before, you know, this is before the Internet and DNA testing and all of that. So literally was found with no, you know, nothing to, to trace back to. Wow. And how old were you when you were adopted? Uh, They estimated that I was about, oh, when I was adopted, I was um, about 11 months old. So they gave me a birth date. Uh, It was something that the orphanage gave. And they also gave me a name. And they used the orphanage director's last name as my surname. Oh, interesting. Okay. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about your adoption journey? So you mentioned that you were in an orphanage for 11 months. And then what happened after that? Um, from an orphanage, a couple of orphanages to foster home. And then I was adopted into the over to the United States to family in the United States. Uh, this was when adoption was really new. And actually, South Korea was the first country to begin the international interracial adoptions. And this was a product from after the Korean War, when there are a lot of Amerasian babies that were left behind. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I'm not a I'm not a direct um I'm not directly from the Korean War, but I am still considering that first wave of international adoptees. So we were kind of uh, something new that that they didn't know exactly how we were going to fit in. And our, fa- our parents didn't have the support 
that a lot of adoptive parents have now. So a lot of adoptive parents were kind of on their own back then. Oh, I can imagine. So what was your journey like just after you were adopted? Did your um, parents, did they have children of their own at the time? Like, what was that journey like? They didn't. And um, they were, well, at the time they were considered older. I don't think they'd be considered older parents now, but my mom was 40. This is 1970. My mom was just turning 40 and my dad was 47. So they're definitely considered older parents when they adopted. Uh, so I grew up with, uh, you know, kind of, well, I think this happens to all adopted kids, regardless of the age of their parents or, or whether or not they look like their parents. Uh, but I grew up explaining a lot about um, why I belong to the family I do. And this was this is something that I think adopted kids do a lot um, without even realizing that they're having to do it. Oh, yeah, I can because people are probably always questioning you when you're out with your parents, right? Yeah. And you're, you're you know, you don't realize that you're sort of um, justifying, I guess, your reason for belonging to the family you do which now as an adoptive mom, when I think about that, I, I've seen my daughter do this throughout her life and, and she has a, a brother who's our biological child. I can't help but think that uh, what that plays on the psyche of the child, you know, as you're being raised, have to justify that you're in this family. Yeah. So um, so you growing up. So when did they first tell you you were adopted? I remember I, I never I never did not know. OK. I, you know, from my earliest memory, it was part of my my story. Okay. Now, did you find yourself having gone through trauma, like as you were just getting older, just realizing the circumstances surrounding when you were left in the parking lot? Was that tragic for you during that time? Like, how did you get healing for that? I think for me, the difficult part is uh, finding my identity and I recently read a uh, read a study, which was done in 2010 by Emory University, that talked about the uh, emotional health and self confidence of kids and how knowing your parents' story really really helps in that area. And these are little things like, well, they seem like little things, but where did your mom go to high school? Where did your dad go to high school? What sports did you know they like? Uh, where did they meet? Those kind of stories they found really help in the child's uh, self-esteem and self-confidence. And for me as an adopted person, especially an adopted person who had um, no identifying information when I was left, and also, you know, this is before internet, and so I had no no ties or no contact to my birth country uh, or knew any other Korean, I adopted from Korea, knew, knew any other Korean people. Um, and hadn't met one, did not meet one until I was in my 20s. Um, so I think for me, there was a sense of a loss of identity mm. that uh, there's a big hole there that I, I wasn't able to fill. Right. Now, did your parents, did they realize you were struggling in certain emotional areas? No, you know, and they um, not necessarily as related to adoption. I don't think that they put the two and two together uh, and they were very well-meaning, but they were from the era where they thought it was better just to say, oh, your adoption doesn't matter. We don't need to, you know, you're you're just like you would be if you were biologically born to us. Um, so to kind of just throw the adoption piece aside and doing it though, you know, because they think that's the way, they thought that that's the way that it would be healthiest for me at the time. 
Yeah. And as you mentioned earlier, I mean, they didn't really have the resources um, that we have now to help families in this um, adoptive process. So I can imagine it was a lot of uh, learning as they go. Um, Yes. So fast forward. So you adopt your daughter in similar circumstances. Like, were you planning that or did that just happen where you guys were in a similar situation as babies? How did that happen? Yeah, that was that was just a coincidence uh, that because you know, some people, some children are found, especially, I guess, in Korea more than China, because um, in Korea at the time I was adopted, a lot of orphans did have identifying information. So the fact that my daughter and I have kind of the same story, uh, I, I think it's helpful for both of us to kind of connect on that. At least both of us, when we look at horoscopes, you know, the horoscopes, we both don't know our birth dates. So we both get f- frustrated with that together. Oh, I can. Yeah, I can imagine just in general, you, you got you can empathize her in so many areas, I'm sure. Yeah. And it's nice, too. I, I recognize by becoming a parent of an adoptee, it helped me really understand some of my needs um, as a child growing up and what may have helped uh, ease things a little bit for me as I was trying to come into my own and find my own identity. Yeah. Now, if there's some um, parents or people listening and they're thinking about adopting, like, is there anything just off the top of your head you could think of just to advice maybe to give them, like when thinking about going through this journey? Yeah, you know, I think that a big thing that's I think the parents now that adopt a lot of them are a lot are definitely more educated about the adoption process and and have these communities that they can easily access because of the internet even even when we're in this pandemic time I think one piece that still is missing a lot of times is that there's all this joy around adoption and there's all this praise for adoption and the adopted child grows up hearing all this praise and even hearing that hearing adults tell the child that they're lucky for being adopted and it's well-meaning adults but growing up all the time hearing that you're lucky and praise for your adopted parents there's no space there uh, for the loss that's also accompanies adoption and I think that also needs to be addressed yeah. So how, how was that addressed for you? Or was it addressed, I should ask? Yeah, it, it wasn't addressed uh, for me. It was, it was kind of brushed under the rug. We didn't talk about my birth family, my, uh, my birth country, any of that. And I do think that's an important piece. It doesn't necessarily need to be dwelled on or glorified. Uh, even, you know, even with domestic adoptions, it's the same thing. There's still that loss of the birth mom, the birth dad, and the whole family history, unless it's an open adoption. And it needs to be part of that child's story, as well as all the wonderful things that come from adoption. Right. So um, when you had your daughter, when you adopted your daughter, like, what are some things that you did differently than your parents? The big thing is that we talk about about her birth family. We talk about the things that we don't know. And this is all, you know, you do this as it becomes age appropriate. Right. But we're very open about it. So she feels it's okay to talk to me about feeling a loss and wishing that she could meet her biological family and wondering whether or not she has siblings. She doesn't, she realizes I, my feelings don't get hurt when she talks to me about this, but this is part of her process. And taking her birth story and our family's birth story and intertwining those two stories together, 
I believe is very important and adopting both of us adopting those stories as our joint family story. Oh, I I like that strategy. I, I really do. And then how do you make sure the emotional health of adopted children? How do you how do you make sure those emotions are getting met? Like what are some tips maybe you can offer to maybe parents who have adopted children and maybe they they're struggling in this area? Yeah, I have a I have I could go through seven very easy tips or steps I think that are very important when you're dealing with your adopted child. The first that we touched on is talk openly. The second is answer questions. And if the the answers aren't age appropriate, be honest and 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 don't you know don't try to hide or brush the question off. Um, also, if you don't have the answer, I think that's something that that uh, adoptive parents could say, and, and it may be something that you can explore with together. Um, the fourth is honesty, or the third is honesty. The fourth is asking questions. Ask the adopted child, you know, what what questions do they have? What do they want to know about their biological family, if anything? Some adopted kids don't um, necessarily want to talk about their biological family, and that's okay. Uh, the fifth is to keep that open dialogue as they get older because things change and you always want your child to feel like it's okay to come to you and, and talk about the birth family and talk about that loss. And it's nothing that the adoptive family will take personally. Um, six is a, the family tree. That's a big one for, for people that have younger kids because there's always that project that comes mm-hmm. home. Oh, school. right. Yeah. I used to dread the family tree project for myself and I dreaded it when my daughter brought it home. And what we ended up doing is making the branch a graft and talking about how beautiful, why we graft on trees. We graft to make the tree more beautiful. Hmm. And uh, that way we address the adoption on the family tree, but it's it's in such a beautiful way and it adds to the beauty of the tree. And that made the, the whole family tree project okay for us. Um, I love that. And then finally, yeah, and the finally is what we already talked about is intertwining, figuring out our two stories together, my adopted child story and my story. And let's see how we intertwine these. So it's not just her story or his story, because a lot of times the adopted child feels like this is my story alone. And then I have my adopted family story. Right. If we can intertwine those, I, I, I feel that that helps with the emotional health of the child. Yeah. Now, you mentioned... Um the uh, the child maybe wanting to meet their biological parent like would you encourage the adoptive family to to let that happen or like how would you how would you encourage that if that comes up in a family that you know that would depend on the circumstances of the adoption if the biological parent is stable and safe of course uh and the age of the child i would imagine but be other than it, you know, it being on a case to case basis, the, the big thing is the communication and the honesty and the 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 um, open dialogue with the child and making sure the child feels safe to talk about this. Yeah, because I'm thinking um, of a specific story. A, a friend of mine, their their son wanted to meet their um, biological mother, which he has, and you know the family. Um, you know, there's a little bit of a d- dysfunction with the, the mm-hmm. birth family. So um, I'm just wondering, like, is there any school of thought just in general surrounding that? Like, do you know if it's recommended that the birth uh, family and the adopted family, like they try to 
meet or get along? You know what I mean? Like, is there any school of thought just surrounding that just in general, would you say? My understanding is that if it could be done healthy, that's the best case scenario for the adopted child to be able to have the birth family in his or her life and to, you know, understand and know um, that history that, you know, that serves to, you know, fill a lot of voids that an adopted person has. So if it can be done in a healthy way, I think that's the best, you know, the best scenario. And an adopted, a birth family does not take away from the beauty of the adoptive family and adoptive parents uh, have to trust that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And that that's true. And then just I know there's so many layers to just adopting and the journey of um, everyone involved, like even the siblings. And I know that's another dynamic. Like, um, like, is there any strategy there? Like, especially since you had a son around the same age, like, how do you maybe prepare the sibling that, you know, you're adopting a sibling for them? Like, how, how does that dynamic come into the picture? I know there's there's probably so many answers and so many things to say about this. But is there anything you could just touch on generally, like for families, maybe even they may be struggling, um, you know, just with that sibling dynamic of the adopted child and the biological child? Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I think the biggest thing talking, especially speaking with friends who are adopted and have grown up with uh, kids who are biological children of the parents, is that the parents be prepared to help the kids out when other people compare them. Mm. I, you know, For the most part, hopefully in adoptive families, adoptive parents are you know, are raising their children the same and there's not favoritism. And I haven't heard that that's, that, that happens typically, but something that does happen a lot of times is outside people will compare the children, especially if they're the same gender or, um, or talk about things like, Oh, you don't look like your parents or, Oh, you, you know, you're the other person looks exactly like the dad. And, and so the adopted child, hears all of these similarities that the biological child might have, uh, and feel very separate, mm. um, and even more isolated. So I think the big thing for the parents is to recognize that that's happening and that will happen and to, be prepared to talk about that with their kids. Okay. All right. Uh, and I, I know that you've learned some things about yourself throughout this whole process of adopting your daughter. Are there any things that you can share with us today about what those things are? Yeah, I learned the biggest thing is one, I, I, I was able to see uh, how it affected my my own identity growing up and, and a little bit of the feeling of loss as I was growing up and becoming a, a young adult that I didn't necessarily tie to the adoption piece until I had my daughter and I saw some of the um, uh, pieces in her life that were missing because of this lack of identity. And I recognized, I learned to recognize the importance of intertwining the family story Because I did always, I grew up feeling like my story was separate than my parents. And it was their family history. And then there was me that came along and I'm, you know, kind of been brought in. So I've uh, learned to recognize the importance of intertwining the adopted child's family story with my own or Mm. with the adopted parents. Right. To make one. Yeah. Oh, great. 
Um, now tell us about your new book, The 50-50 Friendship Flow, Life Lessons From and For My Girlfriends. First, yeah, tell us about it and what inspired this book. Give us all the details. Sure. Well, this happened between my 49th and 50th birthday. Uh, I had gone to a, a girlfriend's, unfortunately, right before this, I had gone to a girlfriend's memorial service and a number of people were um, standing up and saying how great this woman was and all the lessons she taught them and how she impacted their lives, which was wonderful. But they were saying this at the memorial service and not to her. Mm. So I, w- I decided that I was going to meet with 50 women one-on-one over a course of the year to tell them what I've learned from them and how, what they brought to my life and to dialogue about our friendship because we talk to our friends, but we never talk about our friendships. Wow. And so, yeah. And so over a course of the year, I, I you know, started to meet one-on-one with women. And before I met with them, I'd really think about what it, what it was that they brought to my life with the idea that everyone we meet is both our teacher and our student. And, uh, and then I started documenting these. I, this wasn't plan- I wasn't planning on making this into a book, but I started documenting these on Facebook. And people started to follow it and contact me and ask how they could do this and you know what was the framework. And I realized, oh, this is something really that I want to encourage for one and that people can learn from this one-on-one time to spend with someone else. Wow, that's a great idea. So in the book, you have your, the outcome of the 50 people that you spoke to all documented in the book. Is that how it is laid out? It is. Every chapter is, and they're short chapters, every chapter is about that date with that woman. And these are all friends in my life, but some were rather new acquaintances, others, you know, longer, lifelong friends. But they were... Um, so each chapter is that date, the lesson that I learned from that woman, and a little piece for an action plan and a place to journal. So I suggest that it's read either one chapter a day or one chapter a week uh, and, and to journal and to date the journal. Because what I like to do is I journal every day. And when I journal, I look back on the years prior the date in the years prior, and that way I'm able to see what my journey's been and how far I've come. And that reflection piece, I find, is really important. Wow, what a great idea. So, and I, I, I think I read somewhere that you call them your found family. Like, do you tie this into your adoption journey? Like, the, this is your new family? It, it you know, definitely, it, it's part of that, um, because I did feel a loss of connection growing up. And recognizing this and recognizing that everyone we come in contact with, I mean, 50 is a large number. I encourage people to do this with at least five or 10 or 20, but commit to some number within a year uh, to meet one-on-one with, with another person. Yeah, you got a lot of friends there, Sherry. I'm, I'm jealous. <laughs> well, you know, you'll, you'll find though, the more, you, the more you add to this list, it's kind of when other people have done this, I'm like, okay, finish your list first. You can do this a second time because you start to recognize more people right. that you want to sit down with mm-hmm. in this practice. But yes, this has helped me recognize that we're all connected. And there's such a diverse group of women in this book from diverse in age, ethnicity, uh, political views, uh, economics, education level. And you recognize that we're all connected. Wow, that sounds so amazing. Well, thank you so much, Sherry, for being here today. Now, where where can people find you if they want to know more about you and buy your book? 
Sure. Uh, the website is an imperfectly perfect life.com. And the book is sold on Amazon, the 5050 Friendship Flow. Thanks so much for listening to Time Out with Tinseltown Mom. If you liked what you heard today, please be so kind and rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time.